Hey, Shepherd family, welcome to worship and welcome to the preaching of this message as we start a new series after Easter in the letter that Peter wrote to Christians. We don't know exactly where. We don't know all the intricate details of his relationship with them, but we do know one thing. We do know that they were scattered. They considered themselves foreigners in a foreign land. I'm going to read the opening few verses of 1 Peter chapter 1, and I want you to listen in as Peter reaches out to this scattered crew of the faithful and reminds them what their anchor point is as children of God, as believers in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Listen in. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and His Spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed Him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. May God give you more and more grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Several years ago, I was in a graduate class getting my doctoral degree in preaching. And in this graduate class, it was a study in New Testament interpretation, and the professor was an incredibly well-known, world-renowned uh, scholar, uh, lecturer, teacher, writer of many, many commentaries, a really famous guy by the name of Don Carson. He was also from Quebec, Canada, which if you know anything about Quebecois, that is those who hail from Quebec, Canada, you will know that they are an incredibly proud people. They are incredibly confident about their opinions and they generally believe, as a rule, that in a conversation, they're going to be right while the rest of the world is wrong. Now, I recognize that's a stereotype, and I try not to give myself over to stereotypes, but that description perfectly describes this scholar in whose class I was learning and studying in graduate work. And, and one of the questions that he asked was this, if you had to have a conversation with a non-Christian, someone who completely didn't know the Christian faith, what would be your starting point in conversation with that person? Members of my class, they raised their hands, they gave their opinions, I finally gave my opinion. Now, I should tell you that I was born and raised by parents and brothers and sisters who grew up in Chicago, Illinois. Now, if you know anything about major cities like Boston, New York, Chicago, you will know that the same level of confidence bordering on arrogance and conceit 
that the Quebecois that I just described to you have, these residents of Chicago and Boston and New York, there is a similar level of confidence and self-assuredness. And with that, I raised my hand and I said, if I'm going to have a conversation with someone about the Christian faith, if I'm going to introduce them at ground zero to what the Christian faith is all about, I am going to start with the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the grave because it is that distinguishing historical event that separates Christians from every world religion there is. We believe, as Christians, that the Lord Jesus Christ, after dying a, a typically human death, albeit by crucifixion, that the Lord Jesus Christ miraculously, mysteriously, was raised with a body from the grave to life everlasting. He was the first fruits. I got done with my soliloquy in class, and Professor Carson stood at the front. And he said in no uncertain terms, You are so wrong. If I had to start anywhere, Professor Carson continued, I'd start with sin and the law and we need a savior and so on and so forth. And he gave a great defense of his strongly held position, which, by the way, had been... been developed over many, many years of talking with non-Christians and, and teaching in the church and preparing future church leaders for ministry. Uh, he's probably 35, 40 years older than me at the time. And when he got done with his soliloquy, his correction of my position, he asked, would you like to respond? And I said... <laughs> with all the self-assuredness bordering on arrogance and conceit of someone from parentage in Chicago, Illinois. Professor Carson, I don't mean to be rude, but I think you're entirely wrong. And we had a good laugh about that. The class was in rapt attention because Don Carson is Don Carson. He is that well-known. He is that qualified to teach. And I was only a 30, what, 30-year-old young man at the time, six years in ministry maybe, and uh, we had a good back and forth. But part of my reasoning for holding on to that assertion was because of what we just read in 1 Peter. At the very outset of his gospel, as he's writing now truly to Christians throughout the world, he reminds them our anchor point of hope when we are foreigners in foreign lands, when we are not accepted or received in our own church culture, when we struggle and we strive against the forces that oppress the Christian church all around us, we hold on to the resurrection of Jesus Christ bodily from the grave. It is our anchor point by which we know that our labor in the Lord is not in vain, to quote Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I would also argue, though, that not just for Christians, but for all people, the assertion, the witness, the creed that the Lord Jesus Christ is risen bodily from the grave is our most important 
point that we bring into any conversation because it is on the basis of that historical fact that we understand the true gravity of sin for which we need a Savior who by his active obedience in life and his being the lamb led to slaughter through sacrifice on the cross and then by way of his glorious resurrection open to us the way of everlasting life. In other words, the entirety of Christian doctrine is opened up when we confess that the Lord Jesus Christ rose bodily from the grave. I don't know where life finds you in these days and weeks after Easter 2023. But what I do pray for you is this, that your confidence and faith in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ would be so strong and firm that in the face of any antagonism, in the face of any kind of oppression from the world beyond or our own emotions and soul within, our own sinfulness, that you would be able to stand firm in the faith, knowing that while you may feel like a foreigner in a foreign land, while you may feel scattered and short-shrifted in your walk in this world, the anxiety and uncertainty of life, that you may know that because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a heavenly home. And no one but no one can argue with that. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be and abide with you always as you continue your Easter walk of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.